Hello and welcome to episode one of the MJ Cast, our first very official episode. We've got a lot of great things to cover today, including some information on a brand new book by Syl Matilla called The First Book of Michael. You know, it's actually a pretty big book show. We've got a, a bunch of a book topics to cover. We've got another book coming out from Frank DeLeo, Kerry Anderson, who was a uh, previous bodyguard for Michael Jackson, um, Dieter Weisner's new book coming out and his marketing campaign all around that. Um, and also Chris Cadman's uh, book called The Maestro, Volume 2. We're also going to be talking about Prince Jackson and uh, a great letter that he put online when he turned 18, um, and also an incredible new piece of news about a documentary coming out possibly this year uh, by the legendary film director Spike Lee. Um, so welcome, welcome to the MJ Cast. My name's Jamin. I didn't get a chance to introduce myself in the uh, in, in the first episode. I didn't say my name. I just realised that. But yeah, the cat's out of the bag. My name's Jamin. Uh, I'm an Australian MJ fan. You can go back to that episode zero if you want to learn all about who I am. But right now, I'm going to introduce somebody else, and that's a co-host to our show, Q from Perth. How you going, Q? G'day, Jamin. I'm Q, everyone. I'm going to be a co-host on the MJ cast, and I am very nervous. This is the <laughs> first time I've done anything like this, recording and all that kind of thing, so I'm very nervous, but um, this is our first episode, everyone, so give us, you know, cut us a little bit of slack. It's going to be, <laughs> it's going to be interesting for us as well as for you guys listening at home or wherever you might be listening. Absolutely. I'm, I'm feeling a little bit the same way, to be honest with you. I'm a bit nervous too. The first, the first one, I wasn't so bad because um, I kind of, I pre-planned a lot of what I wanted to say about who I was and my, how I became a fan, but this one, there's a lot of stuff we're doing right off the cuff, so... <laughs> I don't know if you can be right off the cuff. I, I saw a picture you sent me earlier where uh, of your little studio that you've set up for yourself. Uh, you... I'm recording uh, actually on Skype. I've called in uh, on Skype and I'm using an iPad uh, in a, sitting in my home office at home. But you, Harry Potter, are uh, in a cupboard. I am. I am. Like, I just... Well, okay. A friend of mine, Dan, he's a studio engineer, was telling me that actually I should record with a blanket over myself. But... I tried that, and it's summer here in Australia, in Queensland, it and, and it's just so <laughs> summer, and it's horrendous. It's a little bit hot, but I mean, to give listeners a bit of background, this is all for audio quality. Like, you know, you put a blanket over yourself to get those acoustics just right, but uh, it's a little bit hot. So I'm in. I'm actually in a right now. Believe it or not, I'm in a wardrobe. I'm in a cupboard, sitting on an esky. For those of you who know what an esky is, in New um, Zealand, that's called a chili bin. A, ch- <laughs> a chili bin. I'd never actually a heard that. Bin. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm sitting on a chili bin slash <laughs> slash esky. Maybe uh, in America they call it a cooler. A cool, I'm not sure. Possibly. But anyway, that's where I am. Um, thanks for letting all our listeners know that, Q. I'm, I'm in a cupboard. But I just wanted to make sure that <laughs> muggles hadn't put you in a cupboard or under the stairs well, and that you're doing this of your own free will and it's for uh, recording uh, quality. It's all about recording quality, but yeah, uh, the Harry Potter thing did cross my mind. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool, very cool. Um, so, I mean, obviously we're so excited about this and, and listeners have had a chance to kind of get to know me a little bit through that test episode, but I think it's time we talk a little bit more about you. So, Q, tell us all about yourself. Tell me how you became a fan. I want. I just think we should learn all about you. Oh, crikey. How long is this going to go for then? <laughs> I'll have to, My memory is really bad with dates and that kind of thing as yeah. well, so I will do my best. Uh, so I've been a Michael fan ever since I was quite young, so it's definitely the majority of my life now. Um, I remember 
me and my sister doing um, like concerts for mum and dad in the lounge room as kids and we that was from music on vinyl records. Now I remember we used to do concerts to the Beatles and there was Jackson 5 songs on compilation records that mum and dad have. So I sort of have memories of that. I remember uh, Michael Jackson videos on TV when I was young, um, especially from the bad era because that was in the 80s when I was a kid. I'm an 80s kid pretty much. Um, so I remember certain videos like Smooth Criminal and things like that. I remember the Moonwalker video. I think we must have rented it when we either had a VHS or VHS. I don't even remember. Or beta. VHS. All those kids out there. We didn't have beta. No. no. It was proper VHS. All those kids out there were like, what's a VHS? They're those big plastic video Tapey cassettes, yeah. tapes. <laughs> Uh, the footage was actually on magnetic tape that went through a machine and then screened on your huge, or actually, no, it was a big box but a small screen on the old cathode ray TVs. So I do remember Moonwalker a bit. Um, so I have happy memories of all of that kind of stuff, but I wouldn't have called myself a huge fan back then. What nailed it for me was in um, late 1991, I think it was October, when the black or white single came out. And that was a. That was a huge thing all over the world because they did a simultaneous sort of video screening all over the world. And that video, the full form video when that premiered was, that was the bomb diggity. That was the most awesome thing out of this world. Isn't that video still so cool? Oh, I, so, I watch it regularly. <laughs> yeah. And, and the whole thing, like as a kid or a young, young guy, that really blew my mind. Yeah. So I was like, who is this guy? Who is this Michael Jackson? So it started pretty much, I can nail it to that song, was like my fan baptism song in that video. Um, and that era was quite an exciting era. Um, so I don't remember the actual Dangerous album coming out, but I remember the singles as they got onto the radio and when videos were made uh, onto... TV, like video hits back in those days or Rage on the TV. And I used to, when we did have a VHS of our own, I would record those and things like that. Um, and then back then there was no sort of internet. So any information we got was from the news, from entertainment TV shows like Entertainment Tonight or Molly's Melodrama on Hey Hey It's Saturday. <laughs> Just for our international listeners. <laughs> hey, hey, it's Saturday. Actually, Michael, I believe Michael did an interview for that, didn't he? I think. Uh, he did, actually. Molly Meldrum did a number of interviews with Michael. One of the, um, before the Oprah interview, probably yeah. the last big interview he did was with Michael sitting next to Frank DeLeo um, in full bad regalia. That was a great interview. Um, so Molly's actually, and he interviewed him when he was in Brisbane, Australia for the History World Tour as well. So there's some good interviews out there with oh, Molly that's, from that's the one Molly Melodrama. That's the one where he talks all about Stephen King, right? I think Ghosts had yes. just come out. That is correct, yeah. yep. That was, that was for the history tour and Molly interviewed him right in the um, Brisbane when he was there for the tour. Yeah. So back then that was how fans got their news from things like Molly Meldrum and, and Entertainment Tonight and news and tabloid magazines. Back then, yeah, they were trashy, but that's how we got pictures of Michael. That's how we got news back then. So, I've, you know, back then a lot of fans would have scrapbooks yeah. of articles and pictures that they would have cut out from tabloids and newspapers and stuck them into scrapbooks. So I've got some of those myself. Um, I, so that was what, that was in the 90s. And then during high school, a uh, huge fan during the whole history era and campaign. That was a very, very exciting time for being a fan. A lot happening there. And of course, huge world tour. 
And mm. I was very, very blessed to actually go to two of the concerts in Australia for the History World Tour. I went across the country to Brisbane where um, I saw him in, I think it was called the ANZ Stadium, so an outdoor stadium in Brisbane. That was my first ever Michael Jackson concert. And then I came back home to Perth and I saw him in an indoor stadium, one of only two on the tour, which was uh, at the time it was called the Burswood Dome. It's now been demolished. Um, and I saw him for the History World Tour in Perth, and that was actually from the front row. Wow. On opening night, Perth actually had three concerts, so pretty much back-to-back, and that was the opening night in Perth, and I was in the front row for the History World Tour. I had no idea that Michael performed an indoor History World Tour show until right now. Uh, And Tokyo as well. I believe, I'm pretty sure it was in Tokyo where was the other place that he recorded. Yeah. That's incredible. So, all right, well, tell us a little bit about the show for a sec. I mean, how, how was it? Insane. It was incredible. It was a great show. Um, seeing it live was amazing. You would have all seen um, they recorded pretty much in every country a concert and televised uh, some form of the concert, yeah. and it was a pretty cool show. Um, from the front row, I have to say, probably wasn't the greatest seat because it was a very tall stage and a very deep stage. Mm. So when things were happening at the back of the stage, front row wasn't actually always the best um, place to see it. But and, and, you know, that was a while ago now. History is coming up for a big anniversary this year. and um, Memories are a funny thing. It's hard, especially when you lo- watch a lot of videos. Yeah. Um, it's hard not to get memories confused with what you've watched on TV or on YouTube now um, with actually what you experienced yourself at the time. But I remember the feeling um, and the feeling of love was so thick in that dome that you could like cut through the love in the air. Actually, my dad didn't come and see the show with me, but he drove me up to the, to the venue mm. and waited outside for most of the concert. Funny story here. G'day dad. If you're listening, um, <laughs> was towards the end of the show, he actually could walk into the Burswood dome and he was standing uh, at the very back sort of between some grandstand areas and was actually watching a little bit of the show. Wow. And I remember just coming out and, I, you know, like all those crazy videos of people you see and screaming in audience <laughs> and crying and all that. That was me, um, my Kermit arms waving, Michael, I love you, I love you. Um, and, you know, I just came out and I was like, Dad, I love you so much, you know. Just the, the feeling of love was so powerful. It was so unifying. Yeah, I was just so blessed to have that experience. I, I can't say that I've ever seen him live, but anytime you hear about somebody's experience seeing him in a live concert, one of the things they always say is, is just a, it's almost like a religious experience. People just feel like they're coming together and, and just as one, you know, like it's incredible. It is. That's that's a good description. I don't like want to make Michael a religious figure or anything, but that's a, probably a comparative um, thing that you could say about it. And and what everyone else always says is, and it's true, is he was electrifying. Electrifying. That's electrifying. It, it was just yeah. incredible. Yeah. Well, that's just incredible to hear about. Let's um. I guess you know what. Let's talk a little bit about why we're why we're doing the MJ cast, just so listeners can understand our mind frame what we're doing i did explain a little bit of that on our test episode episode zero uh which you can listen to on the mjcast.com um but i think we might it might be it might pay to go over it together um what, yeah for sure what, what, what are your thoughts like what you know we we wanted to do this for quite a while we've been talking about it for a long time 
I remember you talking about this years ago, to be honest. I remember you saying, oh, I want to do a podcast. That would be so cool. <laughs> Many, like probably two or three years ago, I remember you mentioning this. Yeah, I mean, I just always have felt that in podcasting in general, when you log onto iTunes and look at the availability of Michael Jackson podcasts, it's very low. There's really only a couple that are currently being updated. I think it might even just be one or, yeah, probably one. I was shocked when I when you told me that I went and checked and I was really shocked that there was nothing. It's hardly anything. There's a couple that came out a few years ago that didn't really go anywhere and um but it's just crazy like if you look up Elvis or the Beatles or any of these other massive kind of artists they have so many shows like you know sometimes dozens that are updated and competing against each other and I just felt like what it's just like injustice like why is why does Michael not have this like in my opinion he's the most important artist that's ever existed in terms of music. And I just don't understand why there isn't a regularly updated podcast out there for him. And so I thought, you know what, let's actually do one. Let's put one together. And I just couldn't be happier that you're uh, that you're with, here with me, Q, doing this. I think it's going to be really good. Oh, thanks, man. No, I, was, <laughs> I was like, what? You want me to do what? <laughs> no, that's cool. It's always we. I think where this sort of stem was, you know, we'd get on the phone and talk Michael because yeah. um, we live on complete opposite sides of the continent so we don't get to catch up too often um, but you know we get on the phone and then three hours later you know we, we say goodbye and we've just spoken all Michael stuff for the whole time and it's like <laughs> this is so cool you know I think growing up as a Michael fan you always sort of remember your first MJ mates and and how cool that is when you're talking with your MJ mates and uh, that's sort of where how this sort of began it was like well let's turn it into a show that's right and like those conversations, I have them a lot. Like, you know, uh, we both talked to, to Damien Shields, obviously another great Australian Michael Jackson fan, and, and Tristan Jackson also from Sydney. Yes, Damien and TJ, awesome Michael fans that, that work very hard doing all their things. That's right. So we're, we're always kind of having these conversations, and then I guess it dawned on me, like, why not just hit the record button? Because these conversations we're having about Michael uh, I just feel uh, so rich in their content, and like because we've both been fans for such a long time now, like I guess we have that deep background knowledge of things that he did in his life that we can weave into conversations about whatever might be going on now in terms of product releases or news or book releases and those kind of things. So, yeah, I think keeping the fan community up to date with what's going on is going to be really important moving forward. Um, and also, like we we do have the hope as well that. Um, we're going to be able to do special episodes, I guess, like specials, where we get people on the show that might not just be fans, but people that interacted with Michael Jackson and had things to do with him. They might have worked for him. They might have collaborated with him artistically. And just to hear their opinions on Michael and what their experiences were. We've, As you know, we've already had a couple of discussions with people that professionally knew Michael Jackson in different capacities. Um, one of those being Kerry Anderson, a bodyguard for Michael Jackson in the mid-2000s during his um, trial. And I, I just personally can't wait to be able to talk to these people, interview them, and find out about their stories. It's going to be incredible. They would be, yeah, great episodes to be able to have. That would be really cool. Yeah, yeah. So that's a little bit of what we, we're going to do. I think the important thing is, though, that, that I, want, I want people to get is that even though we are going to be interviewing lots of different people, these are people that, I guess, will be perceived in different capacities or different ways by the fan community all of them have different perspectives on michael jackson all of them had different experiences and i just feel like um it's important as the mj cast to for it to be a platform for different perspectives and opinions 
uh, regardless of what they are, and then we can judge them on their merits um, in that particular way. And that will, you know, that will make discussion between people, and that's what we want. Like, we want people to talk about Michael just the way you would talk about how you would with your mates. So, exactly. yeah, some some things might be a bit political, and we might not even agree with some of the the stuff that we're talking about. That's uh, right. It's it's there to be spoken about, so why not? But we're not going to be dwelling on all negative stuff all the time. No. You know, because you don't do that when you talk to your MJ mates. We want to talk about the cool stuff as well. Absolutely. Um, speaking of cool stuff, I reckon we should kick things off with a discussion about a new book that's actually just come out by a person who is a great Michael Jackson fan, like a, such a deep fan, but also an incredibly um, talented professional author. He is a terrific writer, isn't he? I, we, how long have we been reading his blogs that he's been putting up quite regularly? Well, Silmotilla has been has been writing uh, for a while now. I, 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 if I had to guess, it'd be around a year, probably more. Yeah. Um, in terms of his, I mean, he's been writing for a really long time. He he was writing for, I think he was writing for King Magazine actually when Michael was Back touring. In. 1997, um, I think there's some articles by Sil. Yeah, absolutely. But this this current like incarnation of Silmortilla in terms of his website, silmortilla.com and the blog and his book, The First Book of Michael. This is a relatively recent kind of uh, development in the community. And I, I have just got to say, like I finished reading the book today, probably about five hours ago. I started last night, had a break in between, finished it off this morning, and I am just floored, blown away by the depth of his writing. I've always felt often reading um, the blogs on... Um silmortilla.com is that he was like a voice for fans like he wrote so much stuff that we all felt together um and oh that's exactly yeah, what i know, told him today i said to him made us laugh and made me cry yeah yeah a terrific writer incredible yeah that's what i told him i said his work demonstrates how i feel as a fan like it's it's like i don't even have to talk i could just send somebody a link to a silmortilla blog and say read that that's how i feel cool <laughs> completely the amount of articles that i've shared and i was like yes yeah. this link insert link here it's incredible and the book is actually really um it's very unique in the way it's written i felt that it was uh like i actually went into it thinking it was going to be a chronological journey through michael's life and and i guess i had that preconceived notion because i've read so many other michael jackson books like uh, you know, Jay Randy Travarelli and uh, different people like that that have written biographies on Michael Rand Randall. I think it's Randy Sullivan, Randall Sullivan. And I've, I've read these books and most of them are chronological journeys. And Seal's book is totally not at all. It's actually very thematic. Like each chapter is a totally different concept. You might be looking at racism or you might be looking at uh, it could be anything. It's just a totally different concepts that he's dealing with each chapter but he uses those opportunities, those chapters, to delve right down into the the just the depths of Michael's history. You might one sentence you'll be reading about Michael growing up in Gary. The next sentence it'll be about him rehearsing for This Is It. It's just it's very very. It's like a to to use a word that Michael used often. It's like a it's like a potpourri or like a a mosaic. It's like a tapestry of information. It's so rich, so deep, and you you read a chapter of the book and you feel completely just satisfied. It's incredible. I've got to be honest, uh, Diesel, I haven't read your book yet, but I have a fair reason, I believe. Um, 
I was very excited to read it when you announced it as a digital download and everything, and I was like, cool. But then it's now also available as a paper book, hard copy. And I am a, a book lover. I've got a home library, which I adore, and I love my physical books. So I will be actually getting the paperback copy to read. Um, I, I have it like Kindle on my iPad and everything, but I have a thing with my digital books that I never sort of finish them or I take absolutely forever to finish <laughs> digital books. So I want the hard thing in my hand and I reckon I'd finish it in a night or two definitely. But um, So forgive me for not actually having uh, read the book still, but it is top of my list, trust me. I, uh, I had to do it on an iPad and the reason for that, I mean, aside from the fact that I'm a massive Apple fan, as everybody knows, but like I, I needed to do it on an iPad because if you know Sil, you know that he loves using big words. I mean, this guy, he's got, <laughs> he's got the vocabulary of of a real professional, and of course, he is a professional writer. So, like you're reading his work, and 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 I mean, I'm a I'm a senior history teacher, so I, I like to think that I've got a fairly developed vocabulary. But when I'm reading Sil's work, you know, I've got to every once in a while just tap that dictionary button on the iPad and learn what that word says because. Yeah, he writes in such a deep and complex way, and and all the more power to him. I love it because it's educating me as a reader on a lot of different uh, writing styles and and different words as well. So that's cool. So are you saying that I should have a dictionary handy? <laughs> I no, we're joking. We're joking. <laughs> uh, it wouldn't hurt. It wouldn't hurt. And uh, like I've got a couple of excerpts here that I wouldn't mind reading. I, I asked. I asked his. Uh, I spoke to Sil today and said if he'd mind, and he he said he wouldn't mind at all. So uh, I've got a couple of things I wouldn't mind reading out here. I've got one, there's, I've chosen two things I'd like to read. And one of them is actually about an experience uh, that, that, uh, that he had going to a history tour concert in the Czech Republic in Prague. That's where it launched. That's where it started. And this is, it is an incredible, uh, let me just read this piece. I want to hear your thoughts. Cool. When I was 16, I boarded a coach upon which I sat for 30 hours before disembarking in Prague in the Czech Republic. As a painfully shy teenager, I wasn't confident enough to be forthright enough to make friends on the journey, so the trip was undertaken alone. Besides, I wasn't travelling to make friends. I was going to see Michael. I hadn't seen him for four years, since that soul-altering night on the dangerous tour. I was nauseous with excitement. It was so cold, but I was determined to get a position close to the front of the following day's concert. So after being stood a short while at the feet of the specially erected Stalin-esque history statue, staring up at it, both bewildered and awestruck, I left the coach party. After mindlessly navigating the streets of the alien city for a number of hours, I eventually managed to stumble across the stadium, Letna Park, where I joined a throng of similarly aged Oh, sorry, similarly single-minded diehards who were also gathering to queue overnight before the concert. But it was so cold. The concert happened. I had managed to hold my own in the downright dangerous race to the front once the gates finally opened, and devoid of food and sleep, had also somehow managed to stay vertical all day in spite of the intermittent tidal surges created by the momentum behind me, as well as when we all jumped and joined along singing together, Tom Snedden is a cold man. (laughs) I filled my pockets with confetti that had burst from cannons signalling the end of the show, then very, very slowly shuffled my way to a merchandise tent, 
My understanding of the Czech currency was limited at best, and my adrenaline was sky-high, a combination ripe for disaster. The kind of disaster where you find yourself lost and alone, at night, in the middle of the mid-90s, recently Eastern Bloc capital city, wearing three Michael Jackson t-shirts you've just spent all your money on, whilst also uh, clutching the tour program as close to your torso as possible in an attempt to achieve that extra microtherm of warmth. That's that's the level of detail we're talking about when you're reading Sill's book. My God, I've just taken some notes because <laughs> <laughs> some flashbacks were coming back for me yeah. as well. That, oh man, I need to get this paperback book so bad. That's going to be such a good read. <sighs> that's so cool. The coach to the tour I didn't have to do it for 30 hours, but um, I actually took my best mate that I went to primary school with, one of my best mates, uh, Ben, who I'm very lucky to still be in contact with um, from all those years ago. So me and my friend Ben actually went to the concert together and we were, what, we were probably 16, 17 years old, I'd say 17 years old because we couldn't get into any of the after parties. Um, And we had to get into the centre of Brisbane from a friend's house that we were staying at and we actually also got a coach only for a short time out to the stadium. So yeah. I've done the coach thing as well. That's so cool. He's oh. so lucky to have actually seen a history statue in person. Oh, isn't it incredible? And he, the, just the way he writes, just I just felt like I was there. Like, And I, I've never seen a Michael concert, but after reading that, I just I just got the experience. It was incredible. He, he just takes so many opportunities in the book to, um, like he'll be talking about his own experiences as a Michael Jackson fan in one minute and then just delving right into Michael's own mind as an artist. Like there's this other great chapter where Michael, where he talks about Michael's creative process, right? And we all know the stories about Michael feeling like his music was given to him as a gift by God and just coming from just coming from the ether. Well, there's this great part of the book where Sill actually details that really quite thoroughly. Um, and he throws out that that hilarious quote that Michael said to Kenny Ortega about, you don't understand if I'm not there to receive these ideas, God might give them to Prince. <laughs> and, <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, but... Then the thing is, this is the thing with Sill's book. He'll he'll take that. That's a fact we we generally already know as a Michael community. But then he'll weave in this other historical context for us to learn about. So here's another very quick excerpt. He says, uh, uh, "The American poet Ruth Stone regaled the story of how, when growing up and working in the fields of rural Virginia, she would often sense a poem suddenly approaching her from the horizon." whereupon she would have to physically race the poem back to the house before it could hit her uh, without having the means to write it down. Sometimes she would lose the contest, at which point the poem would continue on its enigmatic voyage through the ether, and she would have to reluctantly concede that the work was meant for another poet. Whoa. I know. And so, like, you're reading Sill's book, you're learning about Michael, you're learning about his history, but then you're learning about just incredible other parts of history that that is related to Michael. It's just mind-blowing stuff. Another thing that I, from the uh, first excerpt that you read out was um, when we see videos from all these concerts throughout Europe, the standing room thing is such um, a foreign concept almost to concerts here in Australia. Yes. Like when, when I say I saw it from the front row, they were actual rows of plastic chairs that are laid out in like rows of seats in blocks. So, and, and we weren't even encouraged to stand up for a good 
chunk at the start of that concert. Security were like, sit down, stay seated, stay seated. And we couldn't even get up and dance. So you see these videos of like where Sil was in the history concert, the launch night in Prague, which just is mind-blowing. Um, and they're, they're crushed up against a fence and people are fainting and getting passed overhead, like in the Dangerous Bucharest DVD and stuff. Like that's a concept that's not taken a very long time for Australian tours, like even with uh, Kylie Minogue and Lady Gaga and stuff, when they have big tours here, they'll have a standing room area now, but majority is still seats. Well, for the big shows, yeah. And, like, I guess it depends on the different security personnel that are contracted in country to country. But, like, if you look at any of that footage from, I mean, look at the Brace, brace Yourself short uh, that Michael put together. That That's full of footage of fans fainting and just being pulled out of concerts. That's actually something that Sil talks about in his book as well, just this incredible rush of energy and just this amazing um, phenomenon that Michael had over people. Just, to, I mean, you go to, if you go to a concert today, like a, any big artist, okay, you don't, you don't, I mean, and I've been to a lot of concerts, you don't see people being dragged out of the crowd fainting by, you might see one or two people in that scenario, but when you're looking at Michael Jackson footage, that's a pretty big occurrence. Like, yeah. it's incredible. Yeah, incredible. It's, it's always I love those videos and yeah, like I I, I was lucky I was at the uh, hotel in Perth when MJ arrived back in '96 and um, you know we were behind this ridiculously flimsy wooden barricade and then he arrived and he they arrived in like a little minivan down the end of the driveway and then he got out and he walked up for a good amount of time he was walking around. Um, there were entertainers there for him and stuff, and I was in one of those crazy fan crushes, wow. and it's pretty wild and it's incredible. Um, it's but amazing. yeah, very dangerous, very dangerous. So I just I just want to really recommend Sil's book. Jump onto silmortilla.com. There's a bunch of ways you can get it. You can get it from Amazon, which is the way I bought it, and then you can put it on your Kindle or your iPad or whatever you want to do your iPhone, um, or you can you can actually follow links on silmortilla.com and grab it in paperback just like Q wants it uh, to have that physical copy with you all the time. So um, He's also on Twitter, at silmortilla, S-Y-L-M-O-R-T-I-L-L-A, silmortilla. Yep, jump on there, follow Sil. Great, great commentary on things that are happening in the Michael Jackson fan world. Uh, and just in Michael's world in general. So jump on there, check Sill out. Great, great guy. And let us know your thoughts on the book if you've read it. Yeah, tweet us, hit us up on Facebook, leave a comment on our show on, on, the, on the website, themjcast.com. We'd love more interaction around that kind of thing. Uh, so the next thing that we are going to talk about today is another book that's apparently coming out. We've actually got a few books to talk about. But this one is uh, a very interesting case, and it's a... I don't hear about this happening too often, but it's a, apparently a posthumous book. It's, uh, it's, it's being penned by an author that's still alive, but it's based on the memoirs of Michael's former manager, Frank DeLeo. Q, have you heard much about this? I have read a few articles and seen a little bit about it, and I don't think I've got too much to say about it. To me, it just sounds like a book by a guy that knew someone that died that worked with Michael. Yeah. It's it's like my brother's cousin's aunt's pet dog wrote, like, really? I don't know if this is going to be that, you know, uh, full of revelations and mm. how, how accurate can this be? It's like, 
third, fourth-hand information. Absolutely. I think I, I'm with you on that. Like, I, I'm, I'm willing to give it a shot because I feel like Frank was a really important part of Michael's life, obviously in the 80s when he was managing Michael, particularly during the Bad Tour, but then also right at the very end of Michael's life in 2009 when he came back on the scene and then, you know, even into uh, the early posthumous years in Michael Jackson's legacy, um, you know, Frank DeLeo was a very key uh, individual in setting up deals between Sony and, and certain individuals. And I I mean, I'm interested in what, like, if, if his memoirs are preserved and they're being quoted, then I'm, I'm going to give it a shot. But if it's kind of like just... Like you said, third-hand regurgitated information. Then I don't know how I'm going to feel about it. I think it, they spoke about it being, um, you know, it's going to reveal a lot of detail about uh, interactions Michael had with people or something like that. And well, you know, if that's the case, that would be interesting. We're always sort of like, how did this sort of thing happen, and how did this get orchestrated? So I might be interested in stuff like that, but. I don't know. I don't know. I might wait and hear what you've got to say about it. When it gets closer, there might be a bit more information. There might be some excerpts that we can read. I haven't got a lot to say about it. I think um, if it was, if Frank was still alive and actually put the book out himself now, I would probably be a lot more interested. Yeah, because it would have been a final product and straight from the person. Um, and and uh, the the marketing of it, I will admit, has left a slightly bad taste in my mouth around the book. Like I've read quite a few articles and the information that, that they're tending to focus on that's coming out of the book are things that we've heard so many times and things that I feel are really not worthy of discussion, like a lot of things about plastic surgery. and Ridiculous. Uh, Stop wasting my time. That is no one's business. That's right. And seriously, like you've got people like the Kardashians and all of these reality stars um, and that kind of thing and as if they haven't had plastic surgery but no one is obsessed with that so just that is not worth talking about and you know it's private information and health stuff it's no one else's business it frustrates me because it's clear that the books that are coming out that do talk about those things which is actually the polar opposite of Seal Mortilla's book but the books that come out that focus on these very tabloidy kind of topics like plastic surgery I'd rather read a book that focuses on Michael's art I'd rather read a book that focuses on his humanitarian efforts, things that Michael cared about, things that he wanted to be remembered for, not not these kind of things. So, yeah, this, I will say, I mean, I could have got it totally wrong. I don't know what these news sites are reporting from, but the news sites I am seeing tend to be focusing a little bit more on these apparent excerpts from the book that are to do with the, the surgery. And And I think the person who's writing it... Oh, we might just have lost Q there. We'll see if we can get back in contact with him. Hello, Q, are you there? Hey, it just dropped out. <laughs> That's all right. These things happen. We'll have to do a little bit of editing there. A little bit of editing, maybe. Or we could just let it go like the Oprah Oprah interview. Where What happened? There was like a smoke alarm or something went off during Michael's Oprah interview in... Yeah, the uh, the amount of lights in um, the amount of lights and equipment set up had I think the heat of it all had set off a, a smoke alarm in the background. That was yeah, I haven't seen that in a long time. Oh, I just always remember that whenever something yeah. goes wrong, 
in anything <laughs> I put together. It's, it's, I always just remember, it's all good. It can't be worse than being watched by millions and millions of people and then a smoke alarm going off halfway through a live interview. That is true. <laughs> that is true. All right. Well, let's, let's move on from the Frank DeLeo thing because I think we've covered that in enough detail. Um, I want to talk now actually about another book that's coming. And this one is one I'm genuinely, genuinely excited about. I've actually had a chance to have a conversation with the author about the book that's coming. Uh, and it's a book by a guy called Kerry Anderson, who is actually a bodyguard for Michael Jackson during a time in Michael's life where he was absolutely just, you know, it couldn't have been worse in terms of public perception, in terms of uh, security. I mean, this was a really difficult time in Michael's life that he was having to face. The mid-2000s, Michael was on trial for false child molestation allegations and right by his side all the time was a security officer or bodyguard by the name of Kerry Anderson who defended him uh, right right through to when Michael left Bahrain, I believe, in 2005. So I can't, I can't wait to get my hands on this book. Uh, I'm not sure what the book's actually titled. All I know is that if you go to Kerry's um, Facebook website, which is facebook.com slash k.a.agapelove, A-G-A-P-E, love, and we'll put all that in the show notes for you to follow. You'll be able to see some information on that book coming out, but I'm just so excited. How do you feel about this, Q? Um, it'll be tough reading about that time. Yeah. Um, it was tough very tough for Michael and his family at that time. It was um, awful for us fans at the time. I remember, um, I think once people see pictures of the trial and Michael um, surrounded by security guards, they would probably recognize Kerry straight away. Yeah. Um, he's, a, he's a big man, big man. Um, With a cool so goatee. I don't, know very cool. Got, I don't know if he's still got the goatee, but it's cool in a lot of those pictures. Yeah, but he was right there amongst uh, the security for Michael during that time. And, you know, reading about a lot of that could be quite hard. You know, it was, it was difficult and you don't want to sort of bring that up. But as a fan, I'm always sort of, yeah, curious about not the private stuff really, not too private detail, but about what was sort of happening and how that was orchestrated, you know, him working for Michael and, and protecting him. And, and, you know, were there threats at the time? Were there real threats? That that's something I'd love to know. These are the things I was talking to Kerry about. We actually, we actually um, had a conversation about about some of the issues that Michael was facing at the time, and we talked a bit about security. And I don't want to go into too much detail because this a lot of this is going to be in his book, uh, and hope hopefully we'll uh, be able to secure an, an upcoming uh, special episode of the MJ Cast where we can ask Kerry some of these details and questions. But um, but yeah, like a lot of these things that Kerry actually was dealing with were were real security risks, like you mentioned. But you know, the, the, some of the best stories that Kerry was telling me was all about just those moments that he had with Michael at Neverland, one on one with Michael and his family, and just those conversations they had about Michael's philosophies, traveling through the Middle East. I'm not going to give specifics away, but I tell you what, people are going to want to read this book. This guy had so much experience with Michael. He literally lived with Michael for a long time. So it's I can't wait. It's gonna be awesome. That would be cool. Yeah. I'd be yeah, I'm interested in that. And um that's really cool that you got to speak with Kerry. He seems like a really nice guy. Yeah, well I mean he was telling me all about these really like um detailed things he had to do. Like whenever Michael went to like a shopping center he'd have to scope it out and like plan the whole the trip there and like I, I whenever I like talk to people that 
that are in any kind of position of responsibility or, or have a job that, that's interesting, I love asking them about the detail of their day-to-day work and learning about their profession and their industry. So when when we get to talk to Kerry, hopefully I, I want to ask him some of those those questions about what he had to do as a part of the role for Michael Jackson to keep him safe in public. I would love to know about stuff like that. That would be really cool. And yeah, I'm like, the detail kind of person as well. Like, tell me about your day at work. Oh, nothing <laughs> happened. I don't care if nothing happened. Just tell me about your day at work. Oh, absolutely. I love that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, another big news story uh, that's that's coming out is Prince Jackson has recently turned 18, Michael Jackson's son. Man, that's that's enough to make me feel so old. <laughs> Holy oh, mackerel. Yeah. 18 true. years old, Prince. Uh, congratulations. Um, happy 18th birthday, man. I hope you had a great great birthday but wow now i feel really old well i guess me too like i remember growing up and just seeing like pictures of prince as a baby and just watching him grow up as well in a lot of those videos you know you know private home movies the documentary michael put out that's my favorite oh, favorite michael tv special that too. is my favorite i love to tour <laughs> <laughs> that is the best moment ever totally i love to tour um do you, so as were you a fan at the time when Prince was born? Do you remember when Michael Jackson's having a kid? It was like everywhere. Do you remember that? No, I I have like okay, uh like I said in the test episode, I became a really big fan right when the 30th anniversary concert happened in 2001 in, in late That's 2001. That's right. That's right. And like I have memories of Michael Jackson before that. I remember the Dangerous album, the History album and and all of the different you know, public sort of conversations around Michael Jackson at that time. And I knew that he had Prince as a son, but I just, yeah, I wasn't really consciously following the the Michael Jackson story at that time. <clears throat> but now, I, now it's incredible. Like, I mean, the boy, he's uh, the man, you know, he's 18. Like he's, and what, what amazes me the most is the fact that he is a celebrity. He's under the spotlight, but like his you know, sister and his brother, they've grown into these young adults that are so mature and speak so well and have clearly been given a really, really incredible upbringing by by Michael and also, you know, his guardian, TJ. Yeah, it was a beautiful letter that um, was tweeted out. That was really cool. Yeah, well, I've got it right here. It says, I'll read it out. It's only a few lines, but it says, I want to thank a few people, and first is obviously my dad. He was and is an incredible human being. Not only did he give me the gift of life, he gave me an incredible opportunity to make something of myself. Secondly, my cousin slash guardian, TJ, he has made so many sacrifices to help me along, and he's been there when I needed him and helped shape who I am. Finally, my grandmother slash guardian... She has been through so much and is such a strong woman to have to live so much. She's an inspiration to keep going no matter what and has always been there for us and I love them all. Smiley face. <laughs> yeah, really well written. That uh, was really cool. I saw that come up on my uh, timeline during the week and I was like, that's yeah, really beautiful. Yeah, great, great guy. So uh, I actually um, I was obviously a big fan from before that, so I can say a little bit from my own experience when you know the news broke that you know um debbie Rowe was expecting and we're like what that's so cool that's like what he's having a kid mm. that's the biggest thing ever like you know he, that, we all knew that that was his dream to yeah. become a father um so for for fans knowing that 
well, for me anyway, knowing that Michael's dream was about to come true was just awesome. Um, I think I was possibly got a, a text message off a friend's mum who, like, heard the news first. Like, it's a boy. So, um, and I remember it was on the cover of magazines, you know, Michael's a father. I, they were doing those stupid things where they, so they mush people's faces together in a computer to try and <laughs> see what the baby's going to look yeah. like and stuff, ridiculous stuff like that. Um, I think back then it was called New Weekly in Australia, a magazine called New Weekly. I think it's called NW now. Um, I don't know if news agents still do them, but they had those uh, cage frames where they'd have a big sort of poster size cover of what the magazine issues were that week. And there was the photo of um, Michael, I'm trying to think what it was now, Michael holding Prince as a little baby um, when the first photo shoot came out. Yeah. And I got that sort of poster size thing from the cage outside the news agent. I didn't steal it. I'm not like that crazy. I actually went in and asked permission, can I have that when it's finished with? And probably left my phone number and stuff. And when that was finished with, they gave it to me. But somewhere in boxes of all my memorabilia, I've got that um, birth picture when um, Michael's holding the baby on the cover of a magazine. Um, because, you know, now, like when there's a celebrity baby born, it's huge bidding rights to who's going to get the photos, who's going to do the photo shoot. And it was a little bit like back then as well especially Michael Jackson was huge at the time. Oh, well, so I, I remember listening to news. the Diane Sawyer interview. Uh, I think it was from the mid to late 90s where he was talking about, you know, helicopters flying around trying to get, get oh, well, it have to be the late 90s because Prince was born in the late 90s. So, um, yeah, helicopters flying around, taking photos of trying to get the first photo. And, oh, God, can you imagine? That's true. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah. Speaking of Prince, there's, I mean, another interesting development within the last couple of weeks has come out, and I don't know if you've had, to, had a chance to see it. It's not every day we get new Michael Jackson footage, or unreleased, I should say, but, you know, there was a really interesting video that came out recently of Michael Jackson reading a children's book to Prince and Paris. I'm still a little bit undecided how I feel about just in general watching private videos of Michael with his children or whoever, just private videos of Michael in general that were recorded during his life. But it was definitely an interesting video to watch. Um, I haven't watched it. You haven't seen it? I've, I've seen links to it. I've seen a picture from it. Mm. But I haven't clicked on the YouTube um, video and actually watched it yet. So I can't comment on the video. And I don't know, maybe that's sort of the same as you. Like, I'm not sure why I haven't watched it. Is it something that's too private that I don't need to see? Am I invading privacy? How did this footage get out? And should I watch it? And it's Michael Jackson. We want to watch everything. Yeah, I know, I know. It's like, okay, here's the deal. I don't know how it got out. I think it's, I, I, from people I've been talking to, I suspect that it's actually a part of, a, of a, some kind of data set or, or information that's being sold on eBay. So I think at some point during Michael's, you know, adult life, he, he would have known somebody who took all this video and then maybe sold it. But these, there's a lot of video that's on for sale on eBay. And I think that the video that we're seeing on YouTube of Michael reading this book to his children, I think it's a snippet from that eBay sale or something. Okay. Okay. Uh, but the video itself is really interesting because <laughs> it shows Michael reading a book, but in a really, really, uh, how do I explain I'm not going to use the word hyperactive, 
but he is really into the book. Like he's he's speed reading it. Like there's these two little kids, Prince and Paris, with him. They're very young, but man, is Michael reading through that thing fast. He's speed reading it, and then right at the very end, there's this great funny moment where Paris actually says something when her dad's reading, and he just <laughs> he just slams the book shut, and that's the end of the video. How <laughs> okay, yeah. I- I, I'm reading to nephews myself, you know, I get sometimes really into the book as well. Yeah. <laughs> well, he was into this one, so, I mean, I don't know how I feel. Like, in general, I guess, things that Michael didn't want to come out that he wanted private, I, I feel funny about engaging with. That could be music, it could be video, it could be anything. And then there's this other part of me that's torn that thinks, well, you know, I'm a fan, Michael was an artist. Studying the artist is just as interesting as studying the art. A lot of times, yeah. So yep. I love engaging with the, that information around Michael to learn more about him as a human, to learn more about him as just a, a person and an artist. So I don't know. For me, I'm torn. I think I'll probably always be torn. But at the end of the day, the information was there. I checked it out, and it was kind of cool to watch. Okay, mm-hmm. I've got the link. I've bookmarked it or favorited it on Twitter. So yeah, I'll see how I go. A um, couple of other interesting news bits. We've got, um, I want to cover just a couple more books that are coming out. We've got a new a new book that's actually already just been released. I, I must admit I haven't read this one, but I feel like it's such an important one that we need to mention um, that people can just access. It's actually a book called Michael Jackson, uh, The Maestro, Volume 2, K to Z, and it's by an author called Chris Cadman. This book is accessible on... Uh, Amazon and a, and a bunch of different places and it is just uh, it looks great it's another book about his art so it's got all of my attention and all of my time just off the bat because anyone that writes a book about Michael's art I feel like uh, deserves definitely to to be heard so if um if you get a chance to check it out jump on Amazon or wherever you want to go look up Chris Cadman and uh, get your hands on on this book it have you have you read it have you read it, Q, or heard about no, it? No. Now, um, I'm just going to click on the uh, Amazon link for it. Now, Chris Kazmaier, this is actually like a second volume. Yeah, I think this it's, is, uh, it's part This is K to Z. Yeah, so yeah. part two, K to Z, or Z, as we say in Australia. Um, he wrote the first one. Um, but was he the author of For the Record? Yes, I believe so. That was, I believe, probably one of the, if not the first book about Michael's art, his mm. um, music and his writing. Um, and that is a very underrated book and doesn't really get the credit that it deserves. Yeah, I agree. Because uh, I remember when you were talking about the Beatles and Elvis have a bajillion podcast and stuff like that, there was not many books, and there's still not really in comparison, uh, books about Michael's art and the music. Um, and for the record was, I believe, the first. So that's something that every fan should sort of uh, look at and read, get a, get a copy of that one. Definitely. I mean, I remember actually reading that book. Uh, like, obviously, we've got people who write now a lot about Michael Jackson's unreleased music. For example, the, probably the best source you can go to to learn about Michael's music would have to be DamianShields.com. Uh, we all know Damien. But before there was Damien, there was Chris Cadman and there was For the Record. And when and I used to read that book just learning about some of the titles, like I you know, from the Invincible Sessions and all of these mysterious songs that one day I might be able to hear. 
So yeah, Chris has definitely been an integral part of the fan community for a long time, having written for the record. Uh, I believe she also runs the uh, the the MJ archives on Twitter. Oh um, wow! Yeah, cool. and and that's on Facebook as well. Um, so yeah, great book, awesome cover. I just love looking at the cover. I think it's a still shot from uh, from. I think it's it looks to me like the history tour. It was, it was a dangerous tour. Uh, he's got the stripe down the side of his pants. I'm going to say history it, because the copy of the first volume has uh, same. Yeah, it's. it's Awesome covers for these books. Really great, great covers. Absolutely. So pick that one up if you want to learn a little bit more about Michael's art. It's not just about his songs. It's a little bit about uh, performances. It's essentially a glossary, like it says, K to Z. So if you're ever in a situation where you need to look up something via sort of title, okay, then grab this book. It's a really good one to have on hand. Yeah, that's a really great addition to have in your MJ library. Yeah, very much so. Last book that I want to talk about uh, for today is another new development. I'm not sure yet what to completely think about it. I think we're going to need a few more weeks on this one um, to to really make a decision. But we've got Dita Wisner bringing out a book. And this is Michael Jackson's previous financial advisor, I guess you could call him. Uh, he's already released a book before. It was There were some publishing issues around it. Now this new book is coming out. I don't know if it's the same book being reissued or whether it's completely different, but Dita Wisner is going all out with a marketing campaign. You can go to DitaWeisner.com. You can look him up on YouTube. And not only is he releasing this book, but he's actually putting out a lot of unseen Michael Jackson videos. Now, I shouldn't say really a lot. It's only a couple, really. But he's putting out Michael Jackson unseen videos to promote this stuff. There's even a video he's got of Michael Jackson signing over a power of attorney agreement to Dita Wisner um, that he's released. And again, footage that probably Michael never would have wanted the world to see. That was a private business meeting, but it's come out. Uh, the book's coming. I don't know what to think exactly about it. What? How do you feel, Q? Can I, just before we talk about the new book, what was the first book? Well, I don't really know too much about it. Like, I, I know, I think it came out a few years ago. I didn't read it, um, but uh, apparently it was detailing his business dealings with Michael Jackson and just, because he, he was really, he was Michael Jackson's financial advisor in the early 2000s period. So if you looked straight after the Living with Michael Jackson documentary in 2002, he really picked up the pieces kind of after that era and Michael was in a bit of financial trouble and his existing Michael had an existing financial team obviously that was made up of people like uh you know John Branker and Barry Siegel and people like that and then Dita Wisner came on the scene with um his partner I think his name's Ronald Conitzer and they kind of took over from that original group and then worked with Michael until there was like a legal there was actually a legal uh issue between them in which uh, Michael wanted to exit a contract that he signed with Dieter Wisner. And that, that actually, you've probably seen the footage of Michael um, doing a, I think it's a deposition where he's talking about, um, you know, not being exactly sound of mind when signing the document, you know, and all, all of these different kind of things came out of it. But yeah, so we're looking at a book from a character who was involved with Michael at a time where, Michael's business situation was not exactly fully stable, and we're probably going to learn a lot about their uh, their interactions. 
Um, it's interesting that the estate have tried to block this book. Mm. That piques my interest. Why? Why would they want that when so much other stuff is published and put on TV and put in newspapers without the estate trying to block it? I'm not so, sure. It's it's going to be very interesting. And I mean, like, of course, we've got the Zach Greenberg, Michael Jackson Incorporated book that recently came out about Michael's financial situation. So it, it, there might be some detail in this book that's not in line with, with the uh, the Zach Greenberg book that we know that the estate was fully behind. So uh, there could be a whole bunch of reasons why they're not exactly keen on it. I think I'm, you know, I would probably not really read a book like this generally, but the fact that the estate have tried to stop it has piqued my interest and I'd, I'd like to know more about that and what it's talking about um, with business dealings and stuff. Um, you know, it's a shady world and especially around Michael Jackson. Well, this, so, the whole last decade of his life is of particular interest to me because the decisions that Michael and his team were making in the early 2000s, so actually more the, more the mid-2000s, so from 2003 to 2007, that's the period of time that set up the situation that ultimately led to his, his demise, really, his death. Um, and the whole this is it contract and everything. Like the, the, the thing, the, the time period that Dieter Wiesner knew Michael Jackson and the period directly after that is what resulted in what happened in 2009. So it's getting that background information. I don't know if you've read Rand, Randall Sullivan's book. There's a lot of negative things that have been said about it, and there's definitely a lot of infactual information within the book. But it covers the same time period in depth, and I, I believe Randall actually had quite quite a extensive set of interviews with Dieter Weisner for that information in his book. So it is of interest to me because I often wonder how Michael found himself in a position where he was needing to do 50 shows in London for This Is It. And this this book probably is going to illuminate us a little bit more on some of those um, dealings. Yeah, because, yeah, it is a very sort of mysterious time and, and what was set up before that resulted in what actually happened. What, what do you actually think about the marketing so far of this uh, announced book? Again, I feel similar to how I felt about the Prince and Paris video coming out. Like, I just don't know. If, if I was writing a book about Michael Jackson and I knew Michael Jackson intimately, you know, as a business partner or a friend, as Dieter Weidner, I think Weisner is saying he was both of those, would I release private footage of Michael Jackson wanting a power of attorney document signed? I don't know if I would. So... Yeah, him him releasing this this what I would consider private video footage in order to promote a book. Just there's something about that that I just I would love to talk to the guy. I'm going to try and reach out to Dieter and see what he has to say about the scenario and uh, and his book coming out. But yeah, it certainly is very interesting. It is. I watched the video last night of um, Dieter being interviewed and showing the uh, royal coat of arms. Oh right, that yeah. apparently Michael saw. Um, and wanted, uh, so they gave it to him, and, and a plate from the uh, Gold Jubilee, I believe, yeah. of uh, Queen Elizabeth II. That was interesting. That was different. So, yeah, I, you know, that if that's a, a gift from the Queen, like we know that um, Michael met the Queen as a boy at a royal performance in London, um, in, when he was in the Jackson 5, uh, he met uh, Princess Diana and Prince Charles if, in the bad tour. 
I don't remember hearing about a meeting between Michael and Queen Elizabeth II. Well, what's actually been claimed is that he met Queen Elizabeth again in 2002 at Buckingham Palace. Yeah, which is fits in with that gift. So yeah. I, mean, I don't remember that. And I don't that remember that. Seems like, <laughs> they say that seems like something that would be pretty big news. Yeah, like I was, I mean, just like you, I mean, during that whole decade, I was following literally everything Michael Jackson ever did. Every day I was on, I was on, what did I used to use? There was a bunch of websites. I used to go to like mjstar.com and a few different ones and Google News, obviously, to look up whatever Michael was doing. Um, and I I remember quite clearly the things he was doing in 2002. And obviously was, he was in England because he gave that incredible speech at the uh, Exeter uh, football stadium. Um, but I just do not recall ever hearing about Michael Jackson going to Buckingham Palace, and I thought we would, we probably would have heard that if it happened. Yeah, I'd love to know more about that meeting and see any pictures and stuff. That would be that would that's a moment of history. That, uh, absolutely, that's pretty cool. I mean, benefit of the doubt, you know, like if Dita is if this is legit, cool. Uh, let's. Uh, I'd like to hear more about it. I'm going to reach out to him and see how we can go with with finding out some more information. I just want that statue that's sitting on the shelf behind him of Michael. That's the coolest thing I've ever seen. And uh, yes, can I have a copy of that statue, please, whoever the artist is? That would be awesome. Did you see that sitting in the background? Oh, uh, no, I haven't I haven't seen that particular video. I've only heard about the, um, yeah, what was in the video. I've read about it, but I haven't seen it. I might go There's like and watch a it. There's like a 12-inch figure of Michael. It's I don't think it's the history statue pose, but it's something very similar, uh, like a, a dark gray statues just standing in the background and I just happened to notice it and I was like I want that that's so cool um let's get into our major topic of discussion for this episode uh and that's a little bit it's about it is a, it comes from a news article that's just come out on indiewire.com uh and it's talking about the great film director Spike Lee being involved in a second Michael Jackson documentary. Now we know that Bad Twenty Five came out. Spike did a, what I would say is is a, is a great job on that film. And now we're looking at a possibility in two thousand and fifteen of an off the wall documentary helmed by Spike Lee. I mean, I mean, I I originally thought that two thousand and fifteen was going to be a history anniversary year. I actually bought a close friend of mine a history official Michael Jackson estate history calendar uh, for Christmas for two thousand and fifteen. So it's it's clear that they were originally thinking about history. Is it now going to be off the wall? Is it going to be both? What what's going on? What are your thoughts? I'm hoping for both, you know, well, why can't it be both? It's like, you know, if it's a off-the-wall thing, it's not for an anniversary because it's, what, 30, what was that, 1979, so is that like 36 years or something? That's not an anniversary, but it's a big anniversary for history. Yeah. So why should we not celebrate the history album? It, what, 20, 20 years? Yeah. Yeah, why not, like? Yeah, you can wait till twenty five, like thriller twenty five. But yeah, I I don't know. Like I'm I'm keen for both. Obviously, I'm happy to get whatever comes out. Like <laughs> I just love getting new Michael Jackson products and new Michael Jackson content. And I I'm kind of hoping for both as well. I think they could do a great job with both if they go down that path. But something's telling me that they may have shifted their attention over to off the wall. Um, Spike Lee's come out, you know, in in this article by IndieWire, actually talking about. He says, you know, we did a shot, we did a documentary of Bad Twenty Five. Now we're doing Off the Wall, so it's it's no secret. It's going on. It's happening. 
I've seen uh, lots of video, uh, pictures that he's put up this week, actually, of who he's interviewed, like from um, Joseph and Catherine Jackson, very, very gaudy, I believe I saw a picture of. Yeah. Um, Stevie Wonder. Yeah. Great, great people. And I'm hoping, you know, there's been some discussion around the Michael Jackson fan community of Quincy Jones being involved. Like, I mean, let's be honest, off the wall, thriller and bad, Quincy Jones was a big part of those albums and obviously notoriously was not on the Bad 25 documentary, uh, possibly because of some litigation that's still going on between him and the Michael Jackson estate. We don't know. But yeah, I mean, I it's going to be a really good documentary regardless. I'm personally hoping for some really good uh, footage from some of those Michael Jackson, to- oh, sorry, the Jacksons tours. I think probably the one that came, the tour that happened after Off the Wall re- was released was the Triumph tour. So I would love to see some footage of the Triumph tour in this documentary. I think that was one of the best things about the Bad Twenty Five documentary um, was some of the footage and the quality of the footage that Spike Lee released. Like Spike Lee had access to that, and that was incredible quality stuff. So I would be loving to see footage from that era. That another another part of me performance in Bad Twenty Five, the high definition, you know, film scan. That that is just incredible footage. Beautiful. So I'm totally with you. I hope that they can go back to those original film negatives or whatever from from the era, from the when the Triumph tour happened, rescan them, touch them up, make them look great, and just put them in that documentary because you know any chance that Michael fans can get to interact with Michael video footage in the highest possible quality it can come out, just bring it on. I, I can't wait. Yeah, Bad Twenty Five had a lot of good stuff. Yeah, in it, um, some. Mm, I wasn't pleased with, but on the most part, it was something that was desperately needed to have such a great filmmaker um, who truly respects Michael so much. You can see that in his work um, put together such uh, an incredible piece. So if anyone was to do any of the albums, I'd love to see Spike Lee do documentaries on all of the albums. <laughs> Absolutely. Imagine, imagine that. And then at the end of it, getting a box set, you can just have like, the compendium of Michael eras in like a documentary box set. That'd be crazy. Yeah, because the estate are great at putting out box sets, aren't they? <laughs> we won't talk about vision. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Can you imagine like, you know, a history documentary with the, the writing uh, that Michael did on those songs on the history album and Spike Lee putting a documentary um, out about that? That would be incredible. Yeah, absolutely. And and I mean Spike Spike we know like, you know, is was such an integral part of that era having directed two music videos for uh, for the history era. They don't care about us prison version and Brazil version. So any and Michael actually doing a song for Spike with yeah. Uh, Oh yeah, uh, on the line. On the line. Yeah. For his film uh was it on the bus, off the bus? Something about the bus. Yeah. So they had a good working relationship and yeah, Spike is the man for the job. Definitely. Really excited. Can't wait for it to come out. I personally hope there's a few less talking heads in this one. I felt like Bad 25 was, I mean, they needed the the narrative to be played out in front of us. And the way they chose to do that was through talking heads and a lot of interviews. But um, I, I don't know, like maybe they'll do more of that because Off the Wall might not have just as much footage out there about it. But I the the reason I like watching Michael Jackson documentaries is to see Michael Jackson footage from the time periods that we're learning about. And the more of that, the better. 
I could say a few talking heads that wouldn't be necessary. Yeah. Not going to mention some names. Um, <laughs> Justin Bieber. Yeah, I, I forgot about that one actually. You know, you know, Justin's turned to page. He's uh, he's turned a leaf. He's realised apparently. So you know, whatever. If that's in, in, but I don't think Justin was alive around off the wall. No. But um, yeah, a few less talking heads, please, Spike, and more Michael footage. Yes, that would be great. So yeah, great year to look forward to 2015 2014 was absolutely seminal monumental we got a brand new michael jackson uh, posthumous album called escape which we're going to probably talk about a little bit later in our fan interaction section of the show uh but we had a big year in 2014 2015 shaping up to be um just as great hopefully off the wall slash history get the uh the quality they deserve as a repackaged re-release if they're putting out um, unreleased material, whether it be songs or whatever, just hopefully they're they're mastered and they they sound great and up to scratch. And the, and uh, one one thing I would love to see myself is just whatever comes out, I'm just hoping it's really authentically Michael. And what I mean by that is, I know they like putting remixes out. We got what was it? Uh, what what did we get on the Bad Twenty Five album? There was a remix from. Uh, I on from there were some horrendous remixes yeah, on Bad Twenty Five. Can I just say though, I do love the Speed Demon mix from Bad Twenty Five. Yeah, re- remixes are fun. I don't mind if they're on there. I'm just what I like is original production as well. So if they're putting out unreleased stuff, please give me the the you know the original production in the highest quality it can be. Yes, totally agree. Give us the originals at least. If you're going to put out some awful Afro Jack mix with terrible raps and awful lyrics in it, then give us the original how Michael worked on it and left it. Absolutely. Okay, so uh, we're going to go to our finds of the week section. Uh, and this is some interesting things. This This is the section of the show where we talk about some interesting things that uh, we've been engaging with in the last couple of weeks in terms of either Michael Jackson products or news or songs or albums or whatever it could be, just anything Michael related, and then we recommend it to you guys as a fan community to get there, get out there and engage with that stuff. Uh, we might kick off with Q. I know you've got something really important to share with the uh, the fan community as your find of the week. Oh my gosh, I better get my notes out then. <laughs> so yeah, it wasn't in the last week. I sort of stumbled across this just after New Year on Twitter. Um, I saw a really cool picture and I was like, what the hell is this? So I dug around and it was in Jakarta, Indonesia. And it, there was a picture on Twitter of a Michael Jackson history statue. And that is a cool sight at any place, any time. And I was like, what is this? So I did a bit of digging and uh, got some information from Fadley Jackson, who is an Indonesian Michael Jackson impersonator. Um, and he can be found on Twitter at Fadley Jackson, F-A-D-L-Y-J-A-C-K-S-O-N uh, on Twitter. And uh, he's performed... He's been a Mark Will impersonator for a long time. He's performed at a large variety of events uh, from schools right through to charity organizations and TV stations. He's actually starred in 20 TV titles and wow. seven, seven movie titles so far. <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming like local productions and, and throughout Asia – that's still really cool. Um, he's a leader of the Michael Jackson Lovers Community, MJLI, um, in Indonesia, which on Twitter is 
at MJLovers underscore ID. Um, so he's very involved in the local Indonesian fan community. Um, actually, in July 2013, Fadley Jackson met with the president of the Republic of Indonesia, Mr. Now, forgive my pronunciation here, all the uh, Michael fans in Indonesia and, and Fadley Jackson, Mr. Susilo Bambang Yudhoyono and Mrs. Ani Yudhoyono to speak about social humanity as an MJ impersonator. That's pretty cool. Very cool. Um, also, in October 2014, uh, the MJ LI community was a supporting partner for Sounds Fair, which would be a music festival, I'm assuming, in Jakarta, Indonesia, um, where the Jacksons performed and Fadley met with the touring Jackson Brothers. Incredible. That's also pretty cool. I've actually also met the Jackson Brothers and they are absolute gentlemen. Jealous. <laughs> they are... They were so humble and just so polite. They were incredible. Um, so the picture that I'd seen was taken at the um, the MKG La Piazza Shopping Center in Jakarta, Indonesia, and their New Year's Eve 2014 theme was Michael Jackson. Could there be a better theme? No, there couldn't. There was a moonwalk competition, a flash mob, flash mob competition, a Jackson lookalike competition, which Fadley was a judge for. And there was also a tribute show by an Australian MJ impersonator, tribute artist, TJ Capola. So we'll have to, uh, in the show notes, maybe find TJ Capola's site and attach that into the show notes as well. Um, there was many local street artists had worked together and created a really impressive large MJ graffiti wall which was what one of the things that caught my eye in the pictures that were popping up on Twitter as well. Sadly, that awesome graffiti wall full of MJ mural um, was a temporary feature and it's no longer at the mall. Um, also for the uh, MKG La Piazza New Year's Eve event, local artists, uh, Mr. Musso and Mr. Yuno, and a team sculpted the MJ history statue, which was obviously a huge hit with the public, resulting in many awesome selfies and pictures. Can you imagine standing there with Incredible. a big MJ statue in the background? <laughs> that would be so cool. Um, so that would have been an awesome New Year's Eve in Jakarta, Indonesia at that event. That would have been awesome to have a history statue there, an MJ tribute show, MJ graffiti wall. I would have loved to have been in a place like that. I was actually working over that night, I think, so that wasn't that fun. Um, after the event, the statue was to be destroyed, but with permission from the developers and help from the MJLI community, Fadley saved the statue. And get this, it is now safe in his family garden. <laughs> so <laughs> let me get this straight. If, you're gonna, if you go to Fadley's family's house, you're going to find a full-size history tour statue replica in his yes. garden. Yes, there's it's and it's huge. It's giant. This thing oh, is giant. Wow. We're going to put some pictures up, pictures up on our Facebook and Twitter, um, and in show notes. Um, but yeah, it's made from foam, cement, and iron. And yeah, this new memorial for our lost king is actually in his family's garden. Looks like a pretty big garden. It needs to be as well. Um, and Fadley <laughs> Jackson's dream is to make a place for a huge memorabilia collection for all the uh, MJLI community and MJ fans and collectors from Indonesia and around the world. That was my find of the week. Like, yeah, I know my neighbors uh, and would not appreciate a towering 
MJ statue in my tiny little courtyard that I've got here. But, oh, man, I would love to have an MJ statue, of especially the history statue, in my backyard. That would be awesome. I just think that's so cool that um, Fadley has saved this statue because it looks good quality. It's good craftsmanship. And the pictures that will pop up um, show... You know, the pieces of this statue, like the huge feet and hands yeah. and the torso and stuff. It's just, it's, I've seen some of these photos and I'm blown away by the scale of this thing. Like, I mean, you look, if you look at photos of the history statue going down the Thames River or, or those kind of things, like actual real history statues that Michael had commissioned and built, they, because this, the photos are often taken from a distance and there's nothing else in the photo to compare it to, often it's they they seem big but not massive but when you look at this replica and you see like actual normal things like chairs and stuff around it beside it it is huge mind-blowingly yeah. huge it doesn't look light either no. like you know it's made of foam and cement and iron so it's not you know there's guide guide wires holding you know for safety and stuff yeah. when it is fully up um, and it's tall and it would catch the wind but that's so awesome and I, I want to uh, thank Fadley Jackson um, for sharing so many information um, about it. I, I had so many questions for him and he got back to me so quickly and he was so gracious. Um, so big thank you yeah. and shout out to at Fadley Jackson on Twitter um, because, yeah, I was like, you know, you see something like that, not every day, and I was like, I need to know about this. So I dug a little bit deeper and... Yeah, what I learned, which I just shared with you, is pretty awesome. Who wouldn't want a Michael Jackson statue in their, let alone their backyard, in their town? Oh. I know that there's a few history statues still up around the world. Um, South Africa, um, there's one in a car park of a McDonald's in in a town called Best in the Netherlands, which my by hook or by crook, I will see that. I've got family in Holland, and I don't know how I will get there, but... Every time I go and visit, I'm like, can we drive to Best or something? I need to go see this Michael Jackson statue, and I love McDonald's. So that works out well for me. Is that, um, sorry, is that the one that's been turned into like a Wolverine? No, no, no. The one in the Netherlands is, it's actually just been restored, the the owners oh. of the McDonald's. Um, it's got stuff to do with the, the Ronald McDonald charity. And they actually fully restored the statue in the Netherlands recently. We might actually, on our Facebook, uh, there's a terrific page for that statue so i'll send that link to you and you can put that in the show notes as well because the pictures they do a lot of fan events around that dutch statue um i have seen pictures of that one where they turned it into some superhero wolverine sort of <laughs> character it's very very strange very strange very odd but kind i have of a feeling that might have been in italy <laughs> those italian fans um, there was actually, you know, those those statues toured the world. Um, there was a number of them for the history campaign. Didn't go down well with a lot of people, but people like us, you know, can't get enough of stuff Absolutely. like that. Um, that. There was actually one in Sydney when Michael accepted a whole bunch of awards down by the Opera House and they floated the history statue near the Opera House. And I sadly wasn't in Sydney at the time and didn't get to see it, but I have a friend um, shout out to my friend Paul Black if you're listening. Um, he actually was at that award ceremony where there's a lot of famous pictures of Michael in a red and black top in his hat and his glasses getting awards. Um, and that statue was actually in Sydney. So, yeah, just so cool that someone actually crafted a, a new version of the history statue and, and it went to such a good cause. 
I, I'm so impressed by it because it's literally keeping Michael's tradition alive. You know, it's it's honoring his tradition and his legacy and just keeping that alive. That was that that statue. Those statues he commissioned were such an important part of the history tour. They're obviously modeled off that opening pose from the Dangerous tour when he jumps up on stage. Um, and that that statue, that image, it's so so important to Michael's legacy. You know, it was the album cover of, of the history album, and for people to keep that alive by replicating the statue uh, is just great. And and I love I love hearing stories um, from the international fan community of Michael Jackson because you know you and I are English speakers, and we we hear a lot about what's going on in America and the UK and and obviously Australia. Um, and different other English-speaking countries. But I guess when when I hear about things that are happening all around the world in countries that we might not hear about as much, I just love that. So I really want this show to be as international as possible for people to send us information of what they might be doing in their fan community so we can learn about what's going on all around the world. Yeah, totally. I agree with you there. You know, this is a show for all Michael fans around the world, and I was so happy that I could actually get answers from Fadley Jackson about this um, awesome statue and an event before that from um, Jakarta, Indonesia, because there's a you know Michael's huge all across the world and and you know through Asia there's a lot of Michael Jackson's fans. So shout out to all the Michael Jackson fans in other countries and and throughout Indonesia that might be listening um, that might have been linked to this by Fadley Jackson, um, because yeah we love hearing about huge Michael events. Uh, all around the world. So send them in on the Facebook and Twitter and, and if you know they're really cool, we'll talk about them. What's your uh, find of the week, Jamin? Well, my find of the week's kind of linked to something that I talked about a little earlier and that's uh, Syl Mortilla's book, The First Book of Michael. Now, one thing I didn't really mention earlier when I was talking about the book was that, I mean, I'm not going to beat around the bush. There's some people in the fan community that have not responded uh, brilliantly to to the book coming out. Uh, they've had questions around how much of a fan Sill actually is. Uh, and the, these things happen. Like fans, you know, there, there, there can be disunity at times, and that's something that Sill talks about in his book. But just to clear up any any doubt, any doubt that, that Sill is a big fan, he actually released a, a great article called Certain Powers an article on the first book of Michael. Now, if you go, if you go to silmortilla.com, that's S-Y-L-M-O-R-T-I-L-L-A.com, you're going to find this article, and he basically lays out for everybody to see how he became a fan, like what, sorry, more so why he is a fan. Uh, he's got images on the actual website, um, of the King Magazine articles that he wrote in 1997. He's got an image of him actually attending uh, the History Tour in Prague, that story I was telling you about earlier. Uh, it's just uh, a really great article to read. He lays it out why he's a fan, how, you know, and, and how he feels about Michael and how long he's felt that way about Michael for anyone that might doubt it. If you are coming across negative discussion on Twitter around the book... Um, what I would suggest is going to this website, silmortilla.com, reading his article, engaging with his actual first-hand information, his story told by himself, and uh, and going from there. So, yeah, definitely check out Sil Mortilla's website for that. So that article, Certain Powers, an article on the first book of Michael, is uh, it's actually, if you're trying to find it, you can probably search for Certain Powers. 
That's dated 18th, uh, Wednesday the 18th of February 2015, if that helps you to find it as well. Yeah, and, and also, if like, if you're following Sill on Twitter or Facebook, you'll, you'll know that he puts articles out quite frequently. So um, there might, if you go to sillmortilla.com, there might be a new one up there by the time you get there. So when, when, like you said, when you go to the website, actually search for the, the blog post that was made on the 18th. Um, I think it was Wednesday the 18th of February 2015. Yeah. So yeah, that's my find of the week. Cool um, pictures in that too. I love the picture from that excerpt that you said. You know, he's uh, young and in Prague. <laughs> <laughs> that's really cool. You know, and and that pictures of articles from um 1997 yeah. that he wrote for King Magazine, which is cool as well. Absolutely. So, you know what? Why don't we ask uh, our listeners? You know, we were probably had posters and stuff up. Yeah. I, you probably got some photos of what your bedroom looked like, maybe. I don't know. I could probably dig up some of mine. Why don't we get fans to share some photos with us about, you know, show us your poster collection when you were a kid growing up or whatever you had, Michael Jackson bedroom theme that you had. Let's do that, shall yeah, we? Let's do it. Send it in. Send it to us uh, through any way you want. You want to find us on facebook.com slash the MJCast or twitter.com slash the MJCast. They're probably the best ways. You could also email us on uh, the MJCast at iCloud.com. You can send through your images on that, but it would be a great, great thing to talk about for sure. Yeah, that would be cool to see. You know, you always go, oh, man, that guy's got that poster. I love that picture. I wish I had that poster. Or they've got five of the posters that I also had. That's always cool when you see stuff that you can all share in common. Definitely, definitely. I, I remember being a kid and going to, like, old memorabilia stores in Brisbane, Australia, like record exchange type stores where they used to sell sell secondhand tatted up memorabilia, and and I'd look through the boxes that they had on you know Michael Jackson posters, and they might they actually found a doll once. It was like a black or white sort of themed Michael Jackson doll that had. That's come a out. real official doll. That's a real official piece of merchandise. I have a number of those. There's actually a few versions wow. um, of that one. Was yours in the box or out of the box? Well, I never bought it, but the one I saw was, oh, was in man. the box. I, I did buy something, though, that on that trip. I think I got... um, No, it was a bit later I got this, but I, I actually bought an official Bad Tour Australia program from 1988, I think. It was. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. It's great reading through it. It's got some incredible... It's, it's bigger than A4. It's really big, and it's got some beautiful color images that Michael had. He always had really great tour programs. I love the, the history tour program. Uh, it's awesome. Great pictures and stuff. Man, you should have got that doll. Uh, there's like, yeah, one, I've got one which is uh, singing. Like you yeah. can press a button and it sings. Oh, that's cool. And then the other one's just like a little action figure doll. Um, it's the same version of the doll. It just doesn't have the singing function with the battery and the little noise cartridge in it. But, yeah, I've got those in my library um, up on display, so I should put a photo of that up, shouldn't I? I think what you need, to, since you're asking fans to send in photos of their stuff, you need to show us your MJ collection. I can only show part of it now. I'll have to go through like proper photo albums to dig up the ones of me at my room growing up where, you know, the wall is just wallpapered with posters. Um, I, yeah, I'll share a picture of the library, sure. Why not? I'll, uh, I'll do that today as well. Uh, let's uh, jump straight to our fan interactions section of the show. Uh, we had a great interaction today with uh, with a guy called Austin on Twitter who tweeted uh, tweeted us at the MJ Cast. Oh yeah, Austin uh, at Creative Art PE. I think there's an A in there. I think it's at Creative What's Art it? APE. I think. Okay. 
There you go. Unless I'm wrong, but try both. You'll find Austin. <laughs> you are correct. You are correct. I've just found it on Twitter and at Creative Art A P E. He um, sent us uh, some great tweets wanting us to interact with him and, and give some opinions on how we feel about a particular topic. Now, this could be looked at as a fairly controversial topic, but I think we can we can come at it uh, in a fairly positive way. But it's basically about unreleased music. Austin wants us to know, uh, sorry, Austin wants to know our opinions on unreleased music coming out, the way that unreleased songs do come out. And our opinions on things like the Estate and Sony preferencing remixes over original material, like on the Escape album, how the first disc has all uh, remixes or contemporized versions of the songs like L.A. Reid uh, called them. So what is our opinion? Let's, well, wh- what do you think, Hugh? I think this is enough for an entire episode. <laughs> <laughs> and we probably will do an entire episode about this exact thing at some point, but we can quickly discuss it now. Um, Torn, I'm, yeah, I'm not sure. I, I think that, you know, like you said before, Michael is an artist and, you know, if he wasn't ready to put something out, he didn't put it out. And mm. we saw with Hold My Hand when that leaked and, and, and Escape, the actual song, when that initially leaked as well, how Michael reacted to that. So I think we honestly know what Michael's feelings were about his art coming out before he was ready for it to come out. Yeah. Um, now that he's gone, you know, things, you could say things are a bit different and if they don't put anything out, we'll never get anything again. And in some ways, I don't mind because Michael left such an incredible, incredible collection of art for, um, for the world that it is enough what he left and it is of incredible quality. Because it wasn't just off the wall through to Invincible. There was an entire, two entire careers Absolutely. prior to that with the Jackson 5, which the quality of that stuff still stands head above stuff now. And then the entire career of the Jacksons as well. So there's like so many eras that I think some people forget about. And right. we, um, But yeah, being a Michael Jackson fan, we do get excited about new stuff. So... I have to say I do prefer original stuff untouched. Like I don't tend to keep the remixes and the reimaginings and whatever they're calling it because they really are just remixes. Um, I don't tend to keep those because I don't like them as much as the originals or what Michael had actually worked on himself. Yeah. So I don't know. I, the Escape album I think was handled a lot better and the previous one because we man, I, I want to hear I would love to hear from the original post posthumous released um, Behind a Mask without all of the editing and stuff I'd love to hear what Michael actually did with that song yeah so I like hearing the original stuff and I'm glad that when they did release Escape that there were original stuff that I could hear with Michael's fingerprints on it yeah I think I I think I feel a similar way like i i definitely don't mind remixes coming out because i think they can be fun and occasionally you've got one that really hits a chord with um you know the current generation of kids you know it might be a dubstep remix of something but i honestly like i'm a fan of michael and i love hearing the original michael material the way it was intended to be heard with the original production um 
you know, I don't mind it being mixed, I guess, uh, by somebody or remastered, but the actual engine, the, the work of the studio engineers, the work of the producers, the work of Michael, if that can be all left intact and authentically Michael, then that's what I love. And I do agree in that I think the Escape album was handled better than the Michael album because they did give us the uh, original... I guess mixes of the songs but they're even within that if you look at the second disc of the special edition of the escape album uh blue gangster that's not the final version that michael heard it in that's actually an earlier version of the song there's actually a later the one that leaked there's a later version of blue gangster that has percussive elements that um brad bucks are added in for michael jackson that are totally that totally in my opinion make the song um the she was loving me mix i, I believe Corey rooney um, actually came out and, and talked about the mix that was released on the album not being exactly the way that he would have released it. Like, there's there was some question marks also around that second disc on the Escape album. So I'm all about original material, but also about quality control and the original production team that worked on the songs coming back to the studio to make sure that they're clean and they're, they're you know, the way that they should be heard. I think that's a really good point. Have the people that worked on it before, if they have to do this, have the people that worked on it before come back and work on this. Don't get some other floozy off the street producer to do it. That's right. Get the person that actually already got more than halfway there on the song. Absolutely. I would, you know, uh, for example, She Was Loving Me, that song that came out on the second disc of the Escape album, you know, there's been a lot of debate and discussion around the audio quality of that song. Why, why did not, why didn't Corey Rooney go back into the studio and, and finish that off? And I'm sure he would have loved the opportunity, if if they asked. I'm not sure if they did or didn't, but you know, like there's, yeah, I'm all about the original production team cleaning it up and making it exactly like Michael would have wanted to be heard in its very last state. In its last state. Yeah. If they're going to do that, then, yeah, release it as it was in its last state, as cleaned up as it needs to be. Because, really, the originals pretty much were all better than the reimagined versions. And a friend of mine made a really good point when listening to the Escape, um, the new versions, um, was that they can't, you can't really dance to them as much. Michael's songs, pretty much, they all could be danced to. Um, and the, the beats were changed and rhythms were changed for the new versions and they're just not as danceable as a pure Michael Jackson song. And I think that's sort of why it didn't really sit well with me uh, when I hadn't even thought about that sort of aspect of it. Well, actually, I was recently, um, and I won't reveal who this person is just yet because uh, we're going to do some something special with them in the coming weeks, but I was recently just talking to a, a producer who who worked with Michael in the studio who told me, that whenever Michael recorded with them, that he said it has to be translatable live. The song has to be translatable live. He had he had to be able to move and dance to it on stage and perform it in front of so many people. So, like, that's, yeah, like, when I'm listening to those songs, I'm with UQ and, 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 and what your friend said, when I'm listening to the original versions of the song, it's more than just the music. It's it's about Michael's vision for what that song could have been on stage, live. It's got to be danceable. Totally agree. Yeah. So, I don't know. If they're going to do stuff in the future, I hope that they continue to make it uh, the highest. Well, I hope they just increase the quality of what they put out. Yeah, don't don't rush things. Michael took an average of five years per album, and 
you know, that worked for him. So, I mean, I, I don't, I would rather a fully baked, perfect product come out that has great attention to detail and quality that honors the man's legacy instead of things being rushed out the door just for, um, you know, sales. And, and I believe in the long run that great art stands the test of time. If something is released in the highest possible quality, then people are going to flock to it. You know, like if, if, you know, Vision, the Michael Jackson box set with all the music videos on it, you know, it wasn't a massive seller. I'm pretty sure Number One's DVD, when it came out during its time, has sold a lot more than the Vision box set ever has. And that's because when Number One's came out on DVD with all those short films, you know, DVD was just dawning. It was a cutting-edge technology, and Michael was taking advantage of it, also with the Vision box set that came out. And, you know, we're now well into the HD era, and we still don't have a collection of high-definition Michael Jackson music videos. In fact, yeah, a state, a state. Where the hell are our Blu-rays? <laughs> Seriously, if they can like do old movies and Star Trek episodes and stuff in incredible HD, you can goddamn give us some Blu-rays of Michael Jackson stuff. Give us Ghosts on Blu-ray. You've got history concerts on Blu-ray that you could you could do on Blu-ray with HD. Like seriously, it's 2015. It's time for some Blu-rays in decent quality. Well, actually, the HD era is pretty much now closing. Like we're looking at you go to if you go to the local, you know electronic retail stores now you're seeing 4k televisions it's not 1080p is almost you know old technology we're looking at 4k now so whatever the next standard of uh, home entertainment is in terms of video quality that's where the estate need to be looking they need to be skating to where the puck is not looking behind um i i want to see a full collection of of michael jackson remastered music videos and concerts i just can't wait for that you know we, we, we've got a lot of unreleased music at this point and that's great but um there's still a lot of stuff that could come out that that's vi- more more video based so hopefully. and even if there isn't a lot of music still yet to release there's a lot of video stuff yeah that they could totally share that michael put together and stuff so you um, know it's not just music it's other stuff that could come out Something else that Austin did ask is is he mentioned he wanted to know a little bit about if there's still unreleased music coming, if there might still be some coming. And uh, what what I would have to say to that is, like, we know that there's producers out there that did a lot of work with Michael whose material we still haven't heard. For example, Michael Prince and Brad Buxer, and they're two producers that work with Michael for the last... Well, I mean, Brad Buxer worked with Michael for, you know, a couple of decades, but Michael Prince as well. Like, these guys were the... the Michael's principal studio engineers and producers during the last portion of his life. So there's material from their sessions that we still haven't heard. There's still stuff that I imagine will be coming out. My answer to you, Austin, would be to keep an eye on DamianShields.com. If you ever want to engage with information about unreleased songs or or what Michael might have been doing artistically in the studio, you don't have to look any further than Damien Shields. Totally agree. Yeah. How do how do fans get in contact with us if they if they want to? How do they find out about the MJ Cast? You can contact the MJ Cast. Uh, go to the website themjcast.com, and it's got all of the links there. We're on Facebook, uh, facebook.com/slash/themjcast. We are on Twitter, twitter.com/themjcast, and our username is at themjcast. We are also on YouTube which you have put some great videos out recently as well. So great work on those there, Jamin. Um, and you can email us at 
themjcast at icloud.com. That's how to get in contact with us. We have, uh, I just want to mention as well about subscribing to our podcast. Obviously, we are a podcast medium. Um, you can view our episodes on YouTube if you would like, or you can f- uh, stream them directly on our website. But we would prefer our listeners, uh, where possible, to be subscribing to our podcast channel. Uh, now, we are having some issues currently with getting up and running on iTunes. Um, if you go to our website anytime soon after this episode is actually released, you probably won't see a link to subscribe to us on iTunes. That's because we're just waiting for our iTunes feed to be approved. They need to see uh, a couple of episodes released through iTunes first before they approve that feed. They're, they're very, their iTunes or Apple in general can be quite reluctant to uh, approve brand new shows that only have test content. So as soon as this feed is uh, filled up with a couple of episodes, they'll approve it. You'll go to our website and you'll see a big purple button up the top right that'll say subscribe uh, and it'll be like a link to iTunes on your computer or phone and uh, it'll be able to subscribe you right through there. If you are using a podcasting application that's not Apple, so you might have, if, if you have an Android device or a Windows device, there are lots of other podcast applications you can use. I won't go into the details of them now, but you can search them quite easily on Google, and I'm sure there's a bunch available in, in the Windows App Store and Android App Stores. But yeah, we'd probably recommend... Um, if you're using an iPhone or an iPad, uh, you can actually open the Apple pod, uh, sorry podcast application, application, which is actually called Podcasts. And if you search for us in there, as soon as we've been approved, you'll find the MJ Cast and be able to subscribe. Um, but until that happens, which hopefully will be in the next week or two, you'll be able to jump straight on our website, stream the episode, listen to it right there. Make sure that you're sharing it with all of your friends and, and Michael Jackson acquaintances and, and different people you might know just to get the word out there about the MJ cast. That's a, that's a really good point. Thank you for mentioning it, Jamin. We've, today alone, we've received, at this point, I've been watching the counter click up during our recording, 88, uh, 88 likes just in the last couple of hours on Facebook. Um, we've had new followers on Twitter as we've been recording this as well. Um, but likes and you know follows is one that's great and we're so happy but please share us share us with all your mj friends online and if you've got local facebook pages for your local michael groups or twitter and stuff like that share um at the mj cast and our facebook page and the show share the show around this is, you know, one of the very few Michael podcasts out there. So something new for you all. And we'd love so many more listeners to be sharing it and also to be commenting. Yes. So when, when you hear this episode, comment us and email us and tweet us um, because we would really love some uh, interaction like Austin's interaction today, which was awesome. And we thank him for that. And we had a great discussion from that interaction. So interact with us and give us feedback after the show because lord knows we're going to need it because it's <laughs> our first ever episode so Absolutely. you know tell us how you want us to change things if you want if you want to hear certain things what can be done different and what you want to hear because this is a show for you guys that's right by michael fans for michael fans that's it that's <laughs> it brother <laughs> um yeah, I, I just think get that interaction going on. I love hearing from fans. I love hearing from, like hearing from Austin today was just amazing because it adds that layer of interaction to the show, which is just so priceless, so good. Totally. And if if I can just have a minute, please, Jamin, just a couple of other fans to thank, like, of course, Austin at uh, Creative Art APE, uh, Fadley Jackson, um, 
We've also got, uh, we had interactions this recently with Dwight on D Brown the Great on Twitter. Um, Amy, who's at that tall bird. <laughs> ben, Ben uh, with at MJ1958 till forever. Uh, it's a numeral number four there. Uh, Clint at Clint NB. Uh, Maximilian Schroeter. Sorry about my pronunciation there, Maximilian. He's at. That's a cool at, name. I know, right? <laughs> and he's a cool guy too, at Maximilian Schroeter, S C H R, on Twitter, at Avion Blackstone, uh, the awesome, awesome fans at Moondancers MX, all the way over in Mexico. We've got Denise at MJ Loving You. We've got at Mikey and Mr. Croft and Alec at On My Anger. And oh, there's Alex so many guy. more, <laughs> uh, so many more um, that, I, you know, we've, we've already hit, I reckon, 100 minutes. Um, yeah. Can, can I also send out a congratulations to Karen Fay, Michael's um, makeup artist of many, many years, yeah. has just become um, a grandmother, if you can believe that. Uh, so congratulations at Wingheart on the arrival of your beautiful, beautiful granddaughter. Um, and we've got a few thank yous yes. for people. Very to wrap important this up. section. I want to thank you, Jamin. Oh. Big thanks to you because you've worked so hard recently um, on the videos that you've put out, which a lot of people have shared and liked. Um, which were really well done. We did that. You did the Instagram posts on Valentine's Day. <laughs> that was really cute, really cool. So I want to thank you for all the work that you've put into putting the show together. Thank you to Damien Shields. Thank you to James Allay. Thank you to Tristan Jackson um, at Tabloid Junk. He's got a great podcast as well. Um, I'll let you thank Dan in a moment. Thank you. <laughs> thank you to Sil Motilla, uh, Brian Vibbets, Kerry Anderson. Uh, Angel Cassio, and I'll let you thank Dan. Yeah, well, uh, Dan's working on something pretty top secret for us right now, but ultimately we, we would love this show to have a really good production quality and we want to have uh, some cool intro music to go with it and different things like that. So uh, Dan Villalobos, who is uh, a, a studio engineer in his own right and an artist who puts out great, great remixes um, and music, is, uh, is putting together uh, some test sort of audio for us at the moment that we might be able to use for our show intro. So I'm just so excited about being able to hear that. Uh, I'm trying to find Dan's uh, contacts so we can share with uh, the community because his music is just so good. Okay, I'll let you find that. I think I might be able to... I'm just searching Dan Villalobos on... Oh, here it is right here. So if you go to danvillalobos.com, so it's D-A-N... V-I-L-L-A-L-O-B-O-S dot com. And uh, let me tell you, this guy's a hardcore fan. He was there at the This Is It press conference announcement in London. He's actually met and spoken to Randy Phillips, who was uh, obviously putting together the show with Michael. Dan is an incredible Michael Jackson fan. I've known him for a long time. Uh, and he's actually, yeah, a very talented uh, musician and engineer and, and putting together some intro music for us, so we can't wait to share that with the community as well. Top bloke indeed. He's a great guy, Dan. Thank you, Dan. Appreciate that. Uh, I think that's pretty much we're getting to the end of our end of our show. End, end do of they have limits? One. Does I, do iTunes have limits on how long episodes are? Because I think we broke any limits. Well, I, I, admittedly, I've heard some shows that go for a few hours, like three or four hours sometimes, so... 
There's definitely no limits. Um, but yeah, like I just think uh, we did it. We did it, dude. We we smashed it. <laughs> we were worried that we'd have nothing to talk about. That it would end up like being 25 minutes long. I know. Man, this has gone great. Uh, I hope the recording went well, and I hope my little uh, Apple earbuds and iPad and my Skype call is clear enough for everyone. And I hope my uh, little uh, Harry Potter closet set up with my mic. I've actually, it's not, it's really embarrassing actually. You should see it. It's like I'm, like I said, I'm sitting on this Esky and I've got my microphone. It's a Blue Yeti studio mic and it's, I've got it hanging off like a, you know, in a closet, hey, you've got railings on the ceiling. I've got it strapped up with the belt hanging down off the railing right in front of me to kind of suspend it so I can use my computer at the same time in front of me. That is so funny. We'll, <laughs> we'll, put, a, we'll put a picture of that up, Harry Potter. That's really funny. I think I'm going to have to do I need some good equipment. Come on. Like, I mean, I got... You've got good equipment. You've got that awesome microphone and I'm mic. using... I'm using the earbuds. I got nothing else. You should see... Okay. You know, um, you know, you know Tristan Jackson, right? Yes, you know, yes. You know his great podcast that he's just started putting out on uh, Celebrity News. What's it called again? I think it's uh, tabloid, the Tabloid Junk Show. Yeah, the Tabloid Junk Show. you got to see his setup. He's got a pop filter right there in front of his mic. It looks great. I mean, uh He's a pro at this stuff. He's got a great YouTube channel as well. He does awesome content. Yeah, great, great Michael Jackson. He's had videos. some practice. This is when you were this. When so. you give us some slack, we'll get there. <laughs> yeah, and guys, after you listen to the show... Is it too long? Because we talked for, I think, longer than we expected today. So do you want shorter shows? Do you want longer shows? Let us know. Yeah. So just looking out as well into the future, just before we kind of go, if you're hearing about any Michael Jackson news that's happening around at the moment, feel free to let us know. Uh, we are not all about breaking exclusive news. We're all about covering the news that might have happened in the couple of weeks leading up to our shows in depth. So send us what's going on in case we're not hearing about it. We'd love to cover all those Michael Jackson topics. So please get in, involved uh, as much as you can. Not even just Michael. We're, Q and I are actually big fans of the family, the Jackson family, like Janet, the Jacksons themselves and and the brothers, uh, we, we love just learning and, and, and learning about the, the family and the legacy they've, they've left in general. That's opening up a whole other Oprah show right there. My, <laughs> first ever, my first ever concert actually was Janet Jackson. Really? You saw Janet the, before MJ? I did, yes. Not many years. It was, uh, I believe, 93. It was on the Janet World Tour anyway, and she wow. came to Perth. Um, and that was my dad and I went to that and I took off after the show was about to start and raced as close to the front as I could get and was in a sort of a standing area, which wasn't technically a real standing area. But yeah, Janet Jackson was my first ever concert That's and incredible. I've seen her a number of times since. So yeah, we are, we're, you know, so we're Michael Jackson fans through and through. I just, I just hope I get the chance one day because it was always a dream of mine to see Michael live, and and I remember those reports coming out just as uh, the, after the This Is It press conference, but, bef but before June twenty fifth, obviously, I remember reports coming out that Michael was actually going to do residencies in uh, Hong Kong and 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 Paris and different places around the world, not just London. And I was just hoping so bad. I w I wasn't able to afford at the time to go to London, but. I was hoping so bad that he was going to come to Asia so I could go see him in, in China or somewhere like that. So obviously never going to get the chance to see MJ, but uh, man, Janet's uh, still going. I hope that she does a world tour because I'm going to be right there to see that action for sure. And the brothers, they, they put on a show that blew me away. But that's stuff we can talk about in a whole other episode because, yeah, there's a lot to talk about there. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Thanks for listening, everyone. It's been really great, and I hope that it worked out pretty good for our first episode. 
Thank you very much, guys. I hope you enjoyed the MJ Cast episode one, and we will see you next time. Thank you. Sure thing. It's January 2015. See you soon. Thanks for listening.